Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builder Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Now, our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actual resources that will inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about don't be, uh, don't be a fear-based leader, and Vinod Sankaran will help us do that. Now, Vinod, also known as Vinny, brings over 15 years of experience in operations, financial analysis, strategy, growth, corporate development, strategic planning, and marketing. Putting it all together, he founded uh, he founded uh, MBW, which is also Vinny. Tell me, what's the name of full name of your company? Medical Billing Wholesalers. Medical Billing Wholesalers, MBW. Vinny has helped uh, grow from three employees in 2010 to over 500 employees now in multiple uh, locations in the USA and delivery locations in Chennai and Bangalore, supporting numerous medical billing companies, healthcare practices, revenue cycle software providers, and EMR companies. He's got a dual master's in quantitative uh, finance in industrial engineering from Oklahoma State University and uh, a uh, certificates in AI for business from Wharton and digital marketing from Columbia. You can't settle in on a certain school, Vinny. Yeah, uh, he what loves to travel and has been to over 50 countries and loves kickboxing and is an instructor in kickboxing in his spare time. Vinny, it's great to have you here, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. That was really great. Okay, so uh, who uh, who does uh, MBW serve? So MBW is actually a revenue cycle management company, or in layman's term, it's a medical billing and coding company. So we serve the U.S. healthcare market. That's the broad, in broad, the U.S. healthcare market, and we can break it down. So the U.S. healthcare market, so anybody who needs medical billing and coding, so Billing companies in the U.S. who service uh, providers, we are an extension of their company, so billing companies. EMR companies are electronic uh, medical records or electronic health records company. They are a software company, but they need revenue cycles, so we kind of become an extension of their team, and we are their back office. Those doctor practices, uh, small ones, big ones, big practices, ambulatory surgery centers, uh, urgent care centers, uh, hospitals, health systems, anything that is on the provider side, not the insurance side, because there are two sides to healthcare. So we say of the, the provider side, anybody who's providing care or doing revenue cycle management, medical billing coding for that side. The other side would be the insurance side. And that's who we usually work with and try to get money from the insurance side. That's pretty much what it is. Many times I tell people MBW is the BMW of medical billing. So that's Excellent. easy to remember. And that's kind of how we do it. Okay, okay, okay. So you mentioned several stakeholders there, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking their problems are slightly different. So could you tell us what problems each of those particular constituents have that you solve for them? Correct. So let's take a couple of different ones. Let's start with the U.S. billing companies. Uh, there are different uh, flavors in billing companies. Most of them are mom and pop companies, and there's an owner and they're busy with trying to grow their business and maintain the relationship. And our goal is to do everything else. Many times they're bogged down by the day-to-day -day operations and they're not able to grow because operations pulls them back. If they were allowed to only focus on growth and maintaining relationship with their clients, 
then they would all be 10 times the size, five times the size. And we've helped a lot of our clients do that over the last 12 years. So we start with one or two people as an extension, and then they've grown with us. So they have five, 10 people with them in their offices in, uh, in, in the US, and they have like 10, 15, 20 people, sometimes even more with us. And it depends on the, 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 the owner, uh, the billing company, they can have a split. It could be 50-50, it could be 60-40, it could be 80, 20, anything that is comfortable depends on their client. So that's one, that's the billing company. And that was, that's our bread and butter. That's most of our clients and that's how we grew. And we provide them a value add and it helps them a lot. They focus on growth and relationship. We do everything else. Uh, so in terms of providing the service and also using technology, things that they can do because of their scale, we can do it because of our scale, right? That's one. The other one is EMR companies, electronic health record companies, which is, been pretty popular in the last, let's say, eight to 10 years. Uh, and those are all technology company. They provide a software solution for the doctors, hospitals, health systems, but they're not a service company. They're a software company, completely different. So we do a value add and we provide them the revenue cycle management that they don't do. So they have the clients, so they sell the software. Now, instead of selling only a software, they can increase their margin by partnering with us so they can send a whole package. So here's my software, but also we have a partner who does the billing. So it's the whole thing. They have one invoice for their clients. It helps. So that's another opportunity. And we have run really well with that. We have a lot of small EMR companies, big EMR companies, and we've been able to help them also grow and increase their margins. That's one. The next one is I'm going to put all of them as providers, people who are actually providing care to the patient. So solo doctors, bigger practices, hospitals, health system, each one has a different uh, uh, outlook because their uh, overhead structure is different, their patients might be different, and we do a lot of specialties. So based on their needs, we customize a solution for them. So a small doctor practice might need a lot more hand-holding because he has, let's say, a front office staff, maybe an NP, PA, or a medical assistant, and them, and they're busy with their patients. So we take care of all their headache because they're seeing the patients. That's, that's what they're trained for. And they do that very well. Now, our goal is to make sure that they collect the money for the patients they've seen. And insurance and healthcare is, is really complicated in the US. So they don't have the time or the knowledge to go after Chase, after the money, after they've seen the patient. So they see the patient do the little documentation. We do everything from there, follow up with the insurance companies, fight with them if they have to appeal, denials, a lot of things that we can talk about, but that's what we do for the doctors. A bigger practices, same thing, but many times when you go to bigger practices, like group practices, 10 doctors, 20, 25, they might have a small billing team already, but not enough to do everything that they need. So we become like an extension of their company, similar to, a, you know, like a billing company. So that's kind of what we do. Hospitals, we do a lot of different things. Hospitals have their own billing team generally, but they still need help with denial management, coding audits, follow-up on claims. So we become their partner. And especially with COVID, this has become really an issue. We've written a lot of articles about our, uh, labor shortages. So that has also helped a lot uh, in the last, let's say, two to one and a half years, helped us grow because even our existing clients have had a lot of need because a lot of their employees left or they're not able to replace them as fast as they want. There's just a big labor shortage. That's been good for our business. And that's kind of, these are our main, uh, this is our target audience. Okay, beautiful. So uh, 
So to find out how you actually go about solving those problems, maybe uh, you could tell us a couple of case studies. Uh, one of your 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 core uh, area, particularly uh, building companies that you augment, and to just kind of walk us through how do those people find you? Uh, how do you go about marketing to them? How do you onboard them? What do you actually do on a day to day basis? And what's what are the results, the value, the benefits of working with you guys? Good, good. So we'll come to the benefits. The first thing is. Uh... We've been in the business for 12 years. When we started, we were doing a lot more uh, face-to-face kind of marketing. To, you know, we do a lot of things. How do the people find us? You know, how do I tell them what we do, right? So we didn't have a digital marketing before. And we were basically uh, meeting them face-to-face. So we would do conferences. Uh, I would meet them and then some referrals and go from there. So it took, so, took us some time to build. The company from 2019 we've actually revamped our whole website built a whole digital marketing team put out a lot of content we had about five pages six pages on our website and then we have about 250 plus pages in our website now with case studies white papers articles blogs so on so that's helped in terms of marketing also in the last uh, six eight months i've been speaking at conferences so that has helped uh, put our name across. So that's in terms of marketing. The other one is sales. Once we do the marketing, we talk to them. Each one is different. So we understand what they're doing currently, uh, how big they are, what kind of clients they have, what EMR practice management systems they use. We're talking about building companies now. We understand their needs and then we document them and we develop a strategy to help that particular building company. Right. Like I mentioned, we are an extension of our company and our goal is to increase their efficiency, productivity and their bottom line. Right. And we do it with a few different things. One is uh, using our people who are uh, experienced. The other one is a combination of technology. We can help reduce their cost by over 40 percent and increase their collections by 20 percent or more. That's usually how we do. Uh, so what we do is first we uh, break it down about what they need. So let's talk about a billing company. And let's say they service three different specialties. So we'll take each of their clients. We do a practice analysis to understand where the needs are for that particular practice. We have something called a transition team. Anything that we take, a new client goes through our transition team. So this transition team uh, consists of subject matter experts from different uh, departments in revenue cycle management, uh, coding, charge entry, payment posting, Uh, Denial management, AR follow-up. So they document everything. They're the ones who set productivity targets and quality targets. And before handing it over to the operations team, we also have the scope of work, what we are responsible for, what the client is responsible for. We document everything. Many times we do process manuals with screenshots so everybody's on the same page. And we have a standalone quality control team that, you know, looks at everything our people do randomly. And we'll talk a little more about how that is done and the technology we've invested in. And we put everything like a customized package for us. That's the reason we've been able to grow from like you mentioned, three people to right now we're over 550 people currently. Okay, Vinny, thanks for that. Uh, a couple of case studies that 
was very, very clear. Now, you're in a very large industry and mm-hmm. you've got hordes of competition. So tell us how you are different from all that competition out there, Vinny. Correct. Uh, there's definitely competition. Uh, there's some really stand-up companies and there are fly-by-the-night companies and we have to set ourselves different. So our digital marketing kind of helps because we put out a lot of content and we believe that content is king. That gives you authority and they're like, okay, they know what they're talking about. That's one part. The most important part, how we are different is uh, with all the technology, we're talking in Zoom, I love technology and we have a whole team for that and we'll get to that. But we meet all our face our clients face-to-face. Big believer in that. It helps you build trust and relationship. And we've done that with the small clients, big clients through the years. So uh, whether they're in California or in New York, Florida, Texas, doesn't make a difference. I fly out and meet them. I have a few people from our team in India also come and meet them. Uh, and we build a relationship. Sometimes we do it before we start. It depends on how big the clients are and where they are. Or sometimes just after we start. So we have a working relationship for a month or two. Then we understand uh, more about the client. And then we meet them again. So it's not a one-time meeting. We meet them, you know, throughout the year, you know, sometimes once or twice a year, sometimes once a year, depends on how big they are. So that has helped us a lot. The other one where we have seen uh, people drop the ball is a communication. You know, we are an extension of their team, right? So even if they had 10 people in their office, it's not going to be perfect. They're going to be ups and downs. They're humans. We're going to make mistakes. The first thing is to communicate and understand what the expectations are and to hold us accountable. If you do something wrong, we accept, apologize, and we fix it. Make sure it's not repeated again. So communication many times is dropped, and we do it with um, a bunch of things. So the communication is email. That's a more like a daily thing. Then we have weekly calls and monthly calls where we go in and talk about, hey, this is the, this is, let's say, a billing company. These are your practices, let's say, five and we go over each one and say, okay, this is what we did last month. This is what we are planning to do for this month. Do you have anything that you want us to do different? Because you are talking to the clients on a daily basis. Do you know something we don't know? Are we on the same page? Great. That's a weekly call, monthly call, and daily emails. Apart from that, the face-to-face. So communication and building a relationship are the first two things that differentiates us. And we've been doing it from day one, and it's been great. So what happens in many companies is getting clients are tough. But if you don't hold on to them, then you're just, you know, replacing your clients. You don't want to do that, right? You want to get a client and hold them forever till they retire or, you know, they're bought by another company, something. And we've done pretty well over the last 12 years. You know, people usually don't leave us because they're not happy. Sometimes, yes, if they retire, somebody else bought them out. It's happened in the past, but usually not for this reason. And that's the reason we think. And open communication. The other one is uh, our experienced staff. Uh, all our employees are at least college graduates, plus they give, get a lot of training. So we have a training and development team in-house uh, that trains them with coding, uh, with revenue cycle management, also with what our clients need. We call it client specific. So we have a monthly like test for them. Plus we have on-the-job training. So if somebody is doing charge entry and they want to do something else, we have tools to train them for certification. So, you know, it would be the coding, and we have developed our own certification that we're rolling out later this year with different levels. You know, if you have one or two years experience, this is your certification, three to four, this one, and so on, leadership. So we do a lot of things like that. Now, the technology that we have, we built some robust technology using uh, robotics, RPA, robotic process automation, to automate 
a lot of the mundane tasks, which is great because first our employees don't have to be busy with that. Uh, makes it more efficient and we can pass on the savings to our clients. So we invested in that. This was the last two years. Also, we built a, a proprietary workflow automation tool because we work with so many clients and we have so many uh, employees because of the scale, data doesn't come in in one way. Each uh, software is different. Each specialty is different. So we have a workflow automation tool that everything kind of flows in and we are able to allocate the work to each of our employees and also do quality control and also look at what they're doing in real time. That helps us a lot. Uh, we looked around, this is not something that was available in the market, so we had to build something from scratch and it's been really successful. We're rolling it out in phases. We finished phase one and two and three is uh, being tested right now. The next one will be the client portal, which we are rolling out uh, end of July, early August. So that's been going really well. And uh, the other two things I would like to add is I mentioned the standalone quality control team. Many people think of this as overhead. You can say that, but it's very, very important. And the quality control team was picking stuff in random, but now we have the tool doing it for them. So there's no bias. So before, you know, I'm Bill is my friend. So I'm going to go easy on Bill and only pick the easy ones and do an audit. You could do that because humans were doing it. Now the system randomly gives them 10%, 15%. There's no choice and we audit that. So that standalone quality control team has been great. The transition team that we have is another thing that many companies don't have because we have one team. Every new client goes through that. So it is standardized. The documentation is done. Everybody's on the same page and then we move it to the operations team. So it's not like, hey, the operations team, they do not set quality and productivity targets for themselves. We have a separate team doing that. So those things, uh, including uh, with our technology and communication is kind of what sets us apart. I love the way you answered that question, how you're different. I think you went through eight differentiators. differentiators. That was pretty fantastic. I happen to know your industry pretty well. We'll We can talk about that at a later point in time. Great. That was uh, beautiful. I I love that very much. So I think, uh, Vinny, uh, our listeners now understand uh, who it is that you serve, uh, Mm -hmm. how you go about uh, servicing them, the problems that you solve, and then you absolutely separated yourself dramatically from all the competition out there in a spectacular way. I can see why you're uh, 12 years old and on your way to 120-year-old business one day. So uh, what we'd like to do now is kind of change up a little bit put on your uh, professor's hat, uh, pretend like we're in business school. We get a bunch of budding uh, business owners out here and they want to know how you go about building a business like yours so rapidly in such a short period of time. So maybe uh, if you'd go back, tell us about, uh, you know, how the idea came in to found the business, uh, who your initial three employees were, and then how you manage the company today and, whatever. And as you go through kind of telling us the story of the company, uh, with your permission, I'll jump in and ask a couple of clarifying questions. Absolutely. Great, great. So yes, uh, I grew up in India. That's where I went to school. And US was always in the back of my mind, even when I was in high school. So I finished my engineering in India and came here to do my master's in Oklahoma State, as you mentioned. People ask me why Oklahoma State, straight from India to Oklahoma State, they kind of paid for my education. So that's pretty much the reason, you know? So that's huh? what I tell people and people just give me the thumbs up just like you did. So that was the main reason. So after I finished my master's in engineering and finance, uh, 
Sprint kind of picked me up from the campus, Sprint, uh, the cell phone company. So I was in Kansas for a couple of years and that was a big corporation. And when I went there, you get kind of lost. And I was like, okay, corporate life is not for me. You know, it, that's how it worked. You know, I had great managers and colleagues, but you know, there was just too much bureaucracy and anything needed to be done. There were 10 levels that you had to get approval. You had to explain, and it was just not worth it. And that was maybe 24, 25 that time. I'm like, okay, this is great. Put it on a resume. Let's figure it out. So I was moving to New York because uh, my girlfriend at that time, now my wife was there. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to make her move to Kansas. Let me go to New York. So we went there and I met a gentleman who's actually an attorney. He's still my mentor today. We do business together and we decided to do something in India. So before uh, healthcare, we were always in healthcare, but before medical billing, we were actually training nurses and placing them all over the world and medical billing kind of just happened. So I was in Brooklyn and I met a couple of people who had a billing, medical billing business. I didn't know anything about the business and they had they were working with some companies in India that was doing that. So revenue cycle management in India is almost 25 years old. Been doing it from 98. So it's not, it's a really mature industry. So in 2009, let's say pretty right about the recession time, we had this idea. I went to India and to figure out what to do because I didn't know anything about medical billing. So the first thing I did is let me pick some good people who know the industry and I understand from them. So the first three employees that you said were people who were from the industry. They know revenue cycle, uh, but they didn't know sales. They knew how to do the work, that's great. And I don't know anything about revenue cycles. So I hired them and for many months, we paid them even though we didn't have business. It was great, you had to build a team because you can't do anything without a team. So we did that. Then I went to conferences, HVMA. I learned a lot from meeting other people and it was tough to get the first clients because I didn't have, you know, there's no references. I can't give them references. You're my first client. So I started with a couple of billing companies, one in New York, one in Buffalo, actually both New York state. And we started building from there. We told them you're kind of new, but the people we have have knowledge five years, seven years, let's build the team. And they were ready to invest. And we went there, we got the people trained. They came to India, sat with our team and trained them. So they, that was, you know, it helped a lot. So the next thing was, okay, now we understand we have a couple of clients, what do we do? So we made a strategy. And the main thing is uh, with companies is many times you're not sure about the vision and it changes and that's fine. You know, what you do day one and what you do in year 10 is not gonna be the same. Cause a lot of things change. You have a lot of assumptions, a business plan, great. Two years later, everything changes. That's fine. As long as you convey that to your team, that's good. So we had constant communication with the team to be transparent. At one time, I used to do six to eight trips to India just to be face-to-face -face with the team. I told you I'm a big believer in face-to-face. -face. I still do that. Maybe not eight. I'm doing more like four or five a year. So we go and we share it with the team and say, okay, this is what we want to do. This is where we want to go. This is our target audience. And it changed, right? We were doing smaller billing companies. Then it was bigger billing companies, EMR came layers, things like that. So many times what happens is people don't share their vision with their team and they're not transparent. There is going to be crisis. There's going to be pushback from clients. Every day is not going to be rosy. When you're the owner of a company, there is crisis every day. The first thing is don't get emotional. Don't start blaming your team. 
because I've seen that happen many times. It doesn't help you. You're the people, you're the person who hired these people. If you shout at them, that means you're just shouting at yourself. It doesn't help. It doesn't do. So that's the first thing. Calm down, understand the issue. It could be that our, our, my team made the mistake. That's fine, but document it, apologize, make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, have a dialogue with the team and tell them, hey, this is not acceptable. This is what we need to have. That's why we have quality control, so on. Things that we built as we grew. Day one, we didn't have a quality control team. Our goal was just to get business and deliver the work. So a lot of things changed over the years and the industry also changed. You know, Affordable Care Act or Obamacare came. That was a big change. EMRs were a big change. There's a lot of things that we used to do 10, 12 years ago or more in the data entry kind of stuff. Now we're doing more high level stuff, analytical thinking and you know critical thinking stuff, very different kind of employees. So we had to pivot and do that. And you know, investment in technology, digital marketing. So a lot of things like that kind of change. So uh, also another thing I would add when you start companies is do a proof of concept, then invest your money. We have done the old version. We invested a lot of money. Then we figured out it was not a good business. Great way to lose money really fast. So I would advise test it, see what works, then invest and scale. And that is usually what works and uh, have patience. Not every day is, is good. And I think you should enjoy what you do. I love talking to people as you can tell. Yes, indeed. So how, how is your company managed? Do you, uh, do you have physical offices in India? Are they remote? Do you have management team? So walk through your yes. management process. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, a lot of things we do or everything we do is uh, based on HIPAA. So there's a lot of uh, data security that we need. For that reason, we are not, a, we do some remote work, but that's only for the leadership team. And I'll come to that. So before COVID, we didn't do remote work at all except for the leadership team. Uh, we still have most of our people in the office. Our offices in Chennai is the biggest office that can seat about, let's say, 500 plus people in one shift. And I told you we have about 560 right now, but we have two shifts. They work morning and night. The, you know, the people who are working at night are the ones who are calling insurance companies. The people in the day are doing coding, charge entry, so on. So okay. we do have a management team and most of them are in the office, same with Bangalore. Um, now we built the whole leadership team. So I'm the CEO. There's a CEO who's been with me from day one. He's also a partner in the business. He's been with me since 2010. So about 12 years. And the reason he's there and he's able to handle a lot of things on the ground in India is the reason I've been able to sit in the US and talk to clients because I was in India for a few years just to set everything up, get the protocols in, hand it over to somebody who can manage it. Only then I can be here as the face of the company. I can be in two places. I've tried. It doesn't work. Uh, so that's one. So after that, we started building the leadership team. So we have uh, AVP for operations. We have uh, leaders for training and development. We have IT managers, HR, recruiting, uh, manage, uh, marketing. Uh, then we have IT. We have two of them. One is the hardware side to make sure that all the computers and the connections with our clients work. And the other one is the software development team that talks about the robotic process automation, the workflow automation tool that we built. Uh, client reports, business analytics, things like that. So two different IT teams. Um, yeah, and then obviously a finance team. So we've built it slowly and we've gotten people from other industries, some from our same industry, but if it's finance and business intelligence, as long as they understand numbers, they've come in from different industries. And we've slowly built a team. So, and we have a beautiful office, 25,000 square feet, a lot of pictures in our website uh, with videos. So. That's been really good. So the leadership team, most of them have laptops about, 
and they are able to go and work remotely. So if they are stuck someday, they still need to log in. So then we allow for the others, it's all in the office. So our production floor, as we call it, the people who deal with PHI, uh, protected health information or patient health information, they are in the office. So we have, uh, we used to have digital biometrics to enter the office. Now we have facial recognition after COVID. We don't want everybody touching the screen. So we have 24 hour security, CCTVs, no phones allowed in the production floor. So we have uh, things, they keep their cell phones, they check it in the lockers before they go inside. Things that we can do for to protect the data when they're in the office. I can't do that in the US and I can't do that when they're remote. So a lot of things we can do in terms of data security because some of our clients are hospitals and they expect things like that. The other thing we have is cybersecurity insurance that is not very common in the industry, but it's very recommended. You've had it for over five years now. It's not easy to get those days but we had to fill in a whole risk analysis and what you have done for data security, things like that. You got to go in detail and then you get the search. So a lot of things we have done for that. So tell us about one of uh, your big mistakes over the last decade or so. And what were, the, what were your lessons you learned from that mistake? Uh, let me think. There have definitely been a bunch of mistakes everybody's made. So uh, let, me, let, let me take two of them. One is um, the digital marketing part. We wanted to invest, but we couldn't find the right people. And I think it's very, very important to do that, to get your name across. And we tried, but maybe we didn't give it the priority it deserved. But then in 2019, we did, and it changed our company drastically. We were in a couple of hundred people, over 500 happened. See, COVID helped a lot, don't get me wrong, but a few things that we did before COVID helped us accelerate. Had we not done that, COVID would not have helped us so much because we were still not, you know, because don't forget uh, the way we were getting clients who were meeting people face-to-face with COVID two years, we hardly had any conferences. So I couldn't have done that. So how would I, luckily we did that before COVID and that helped us a lot. So I would have done it, had I known this before, I would have done it a few years before. That's in terms of digital marketing. The other one will be technology. We've always wanted to do technologies, kind of the same reasons, you know, when, like I told you about the billing companies, right? When you're dragged into the day-to-day, you're talking to clients, you are not able to allocate time for things that can wait. And then what happens is they keep getting weight. So that's kind of what happened with technology too. This is another thing I would have done a few years earlier. Might have helped us, you know, jump and instead of being 500 employees, maybe we would have been 2000 or 1500. So these are the two things I would, like I mentioned, get the proof of concept done. Once you know your system works, Put in, uh, you know, robust quality control things that, you know, things don't slip because you don't want to lose the clients you, you, uh, you've signed up. Communication is key. That we've always done. So that part we have done well. But in terms of technology and digital marketing, uh, had I known before, we would have done it a little earlier. These are, I would say, call it mistakes, but uh, yeah, it is. You know, time is, uh, I can't get back time, unfortunately. No, you can't. Thanks for sharing those with us. So what's holding you back right now, Vinny? Holding us back. So uh, one thing is managing growth. So what happened in the last few months is uh, with COVID and Omicron, see, US got waves in a different time. India got waves in a different time. And both of us affect us. When US gets waves, our clients get affected because they can't see as many patients. So revenue goes down. So indirectly it goes down. So that's one problem. The other problem is when India kind of had a lockdown and shutdown, the productivity to do 100% is really tough. We had to use more people to do the same work. And... So what happened is to manage growth is a very, very important thing. You know, I want to keep selling. 
10 clients a day if I can. Great. Can we manage it? That's the main thing. So managing growth has been the main, main thing right now. How fast do we do we sell here? And how fast can they actually hire the required resources, experience, deploy them so our clients see the value? That's been a challenge. We've kind of it goes on like in curves. Sometimes we are behind the curve, which is not a good, pro it's a problem. That means you've sold more business than you can take on. It's still a problem because then the clients are like, hey, you told me so many things. And especially when you start with a new client and you know, if you can't meet the expectation the first three months, that's the worst thing you can do, right? So that's the balance I've been trying to do. Meaning investment needed as you grow, sales marketing, how fast we hire and deploy the people so that we can maintain the productivity quality without losing existing clients or our new clients. So that's kind of where uh, we, we, it's an everyday thing. And we try to make sure that uh, it's a, it's a tightrope. So we've got a variety of people listening to us, a potential uh, uh, management team for you, uh, pro uh, prospects, customers, etc. So how would our listeners contact you, Vinny? Uh, best one is uh, email or LinkedIn. Um, if you go to my LinkedIn, actually, it has all stuff. So it is uh, just LinkedIn slash Vinod Shankaran. And you should be able to find me. I'll send you a link, Bill, so you can share it with that. Email is just Vinod, V-I-N-O-D at medicalbillingwholesalers.com. It comes straight to me. I don't have an assistant to go through it comes straight to me. I, I, I like to manage it myself. Yes, I could. I, I've got that feel. I know that you love to be right face to face with the, uh, with the customers team, etc. That's beautiful. So uh, Vinny, what's one question I should have asked you and I didn't. And uh, what's the answer to that unasked question? Unasked question. Uh, why do people do this or what is the most important thing? Something like that. So I, 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 I see a lot of people want to build a business because it's, uh, let's call it, it's sexy. It's the new thing to do. I think the reason you should do it is if it is challenging and you enjoy doing it. That's the most important thing. But many times when I see people doing that, I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, they spend a lot of time doing it, which is great. And it is needed. I know I've had, you know, 15 hours, days and 18 hours, but they, they, they lose, uh, you know, they lose on their health. They don't give time for work-life balance. That doesn't mean you should not work uh, 10 hours, 12 hours. That's not what I'm saying, but you should need, you should segregate some time for yourself. So I, I think health, we are in healthcare and we see the bills of people. And, you know, once you're sick, it's very, very tough. You know, it, it just goes worse from there. Very tough to pull back. Some people have done it. So the first thing I would say is focus on your health. And that means more physical and mental. So if you can think clearly and focus, and if you're healthy and you can move around, meet people, then 90% of your problems are solved. So many times people don't focus on that. I think that's very, very important. And I told you, I love to travel. That, that frees up my mind. And that's great. COVID has not been very helpful with that. But things are better, so I'm not complaining. And then uh, kickboxing is good. I go running. I jump. So whatever makes people happy, they should do. It could be playing racquetball, tennis, whatever. So many times people lose track of what is important. Building a company is great. Trust me, I love it. I don't think I'll do anything else. Maybe after this, we sell it. We do another company. That's great. But, you know, if you lose track of what is important, your health, and like I said, you can get back time. Those two things many people, you know, seem to forget. Yes. 
Thanks for sharing that. Beautiful. Thanks, Vinny, very much. Now, everybody, in closing, let's focus on this single fact, and that is, is our businesses don't become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having the right mindset of a dedication to a system of management, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. So thanks for listening. Vinny, thanks for sharing your fantastic stories with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure, brother. Thank you.